Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times. I'm Amy Keene. Today we're looking at how the U.S.-China trade war is playing out in one U.S. shipping hub. The FT's James Politi recently traveled to the port of Baltimore on the U.S. East Coast to find out. James, what prompted you to visit the port of Baltimore? Well, I wanted to get a sense of how the threat of sort of new tariffs and Trump's uh, trade wars generally were playing out in some of the places which are most exposed. And obviously, the U.S. ports deal with billions of dollars in trade every day from all over the world. We know that in terms of China, the most um, sort of vulnerable ports to the trade wars are the ones on the West Coast in L.A. and uh, Long Beach and a few others. But here, sort of close to our base in Washington, the Port of Baltimore was an interesting uh, uh, window into how people were feeling on the front lines of, of the trade wars. And that's why I decided to go. Pretty much everything comes through the Port of Baltimore. But if it has one kind of main product, it is uh, cars and light trucks. So that's its specialty. It has a lot of business with Europe, a substantial business from China as well. But a lot of its business is, is from Europe. So it is actually particularly nervous and vulnerable to the threat of auto tariffs, which the Trump administration has threatened on a national security basis and which could be coming in the next few months. And if that were to you know, be implemented, then it would be a big threat to the port of Baltimore. So what did you find out when you went? I guess, who did you meet? Well, I met with some of the customs brokers who are the people who are basically the intermediaries between importers who are trying to bring products into the United States from abroad and the customs authorities. So they make sure that all the payments are made, that all the regulatory procedures are followed. And so they are really the people who are dealing with this um, the most frequently and on a daily basis. And they had sort of huge files in their offices related to the looming tariffs, um, which was sort of fascinating. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit more about the sort of mood among these customs brokers that you met. How are they feeling about the tariffs that have already been implemented? Well, for their business, it's actually great because they have clients calling them and needing their services all the time. Customs brokerage uh, was sort of gradually uh, becoming a commodities-based uh, uh, service, but now it's uh, in huge demand. So people really need uh, to have a good customs broker to manage and navigate all the different tariffs and, and also tightening uh, regulatory standards on customs procedures. But of course, over the long term, they face a declining business if the U.S. cuts its economic ties to the rest of the world. The real sort of revelation was that the customs brokers were describing a lot of the angst amongst their clients. I mean, their clients are very nervous about the impact of these tariffs on their own businesses, which will lead to higher prices for a lot of their inputs. For big companies, you know, this will have a very noticeable effect. But for small companies, you know, these tariffs could actually run them out of business. So one said that um, one of their clients, they feared that they might have a heart attack. Oh, dear. Is the mood among some of the business owners using these ports, is, is it the type of thing that could play into the upcoming midterm elections, I guess, at least in terms of congressional representation? Well, it depends on who you talk to. I mean, I spoke to the local congressman there, Dutch Ruppersberger, who's been there for 
many years and has represented the port. He's a Democrat, and he was very critical of the administration, saying that they were taking the wrong approach, even though he sort of said that their diagnosis that there was a problem with China trade was correct, that tariffs were not the answer. Some of the customs brokers were equally nervous about about the approach that was being taken and the higher prices that might come to uh, consumers. But on the other hand, there were some who, one local worker who was in the parking lot, and he said, I'm all, you know, I'm all in favor of these tariffs. I think even if there's some short-term pain, then it will lead to a better economic relationship with China and things will be better for all of us. So it's still pretty hard to predict how the Trump trade wars will play politically. And so in light of everything you've just described uh, that is happening in the port of Baltimore, we had yet another escalation in the trade war Monday evening into Tuesday morning. Can you bring us up to speed, James? Well, so the the U.S. decided to press ahead with tariffs on $200 billion of uh, Chinese imports. They said that the rate would uh, begin at 10% and then would ramp up to 25% at the beginning of 2019. The Trump administration had said it was prepared to go ahead with this. It actually did and delivered. The tariffs will take effect next week, so in a very relatively short time frame. And uh, overnight, the Chinese, as expected, said that they would retaliate on 60 billion of American imports. So we're really entering the heat of a very, very difficult and noxious uh, trade war here. And it's very hard to predict how it will end. Some hope that there there could be a deal, and as they escalate, they're, they're more likely actually to reach a deal. But it's hard to imagine that um, both China and the U.S. would uh, really be in the mood for some kind of accommodation, as you know, with tensions rising to the point that they have. So I guess how this all ends is still in question. Just yesterday, Jack Ma said that the U.S.-China trade war could last 20 years. Any sense from your sources about how much longer we can expect these trade tensions? Well, U.S. officials are convinced they have sort of a double bluster. I mean, they are convinced that the Chinese will feel so much pressure that they will come to the table and accept U.S. demands. And they also believe that if China doesn't come to the table... Ultimately, U.S. companies will shift their supply chains out of China and move back to the United States, which is sort of one of their long-term policy goals anyway. Neither of those sort of viewpoints um, from the White House are seen as realistic by many in economic circles or even probably in China, who, you know, in China, they've really struggled to find a, a way to negotiate in a sort of um, rational way with the Trump administration. They can't tell exactly what the Trump administration is looking for, and they suspect that that the U.S. is looking for a long-term fight here. I think it's quite unlikely that there'll be a settlement in the near future, and I, I wouldn't disagree that we're you know, heading into very rocky territory um, for the foreseeable future. Thanks, James. Appreciate your time. That was the FT's James Politi on the line with me from D.C. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with more news. And in the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber of the Financial Times and would like to read more of our global trade coverage, you can go to ft.com forward slash offer for our latest subscription offer.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.